We learned the foundational part of our identity, okay? So our identity is a multi-layered thing. You know, there's, we wear many hats. There's a lot of things that we do. You know, we're called uh, brothers and, you know, uh, we're siblings, we're nephews, we're uncles, we're uh, cousins, we're, you know, the mechanic and the teacher and the, and the boss and the manager and the CEO and, and all these different roles, you know, that we could say they're part of our identity, but they're functional, Right? They're, they're not who we are. It's not where we draw value from. It's not, you know, it's not what, what gives us identity and what gives us significance. You know, these are things that we do. But we talked about the core foundation, you know, who we are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that is the most important part because if that is not uh, solid, if that is not established in our heart, then everything else is going to be a little bit out of whack or a lot out of whack, okay? And so... We talked about the very first thing, which is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? By faith, we, we were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then secondly, that we are also, not less important, just we also talked about that, you know, that we are children of God. And those two are basic, right? There's all these other things that the Bible tells us that we are. And those are very important, and we'll be looking at those, and I encourage you to pay attention when the Bible calls you and says, you are this, you know, you're a citizen of heaven. Because all these things uh, mean something about what we can do, what we can believe about ourselves, and it tells us who we are. And so we want to know from the Word of God who we are uh, now that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, okay? And so the first one was the righteousness of God. Why is it so important that we understand we are the righteousness of God? See, the devil has been attacking identity from the very beginning. And I, and I would dare to say it's one of the number one attacks of the enemy. Like it's one of the number one tactics, you know? Through lies and all kinds of things, he's attacking identity. And we can see this, and I can, and I can say this so boldly because we see it at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. He attacked uh, their identity, you know, Eve's identity. Are you really, you know, is this really what God says? You know, if you do this, if you eat this fruit, then you will become, right? And it was, it was going for their identity when they were already made in the likeness and the, in the image of God. Yeah. And so he lied to them. He twisted the truth right, about who they were and who they could become, right? And then there was the fall of man. When Jesus was on earth, we know that he went to the desert and he fasted for 40 days before starting his uh, his ministry. And what did the devil come do? He came and he attacked his identity again, right? Like, it's the first thing he goes, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are, he's questioning the identity that God has already given us, our divine identity. And then what he does to us, right? All of us have these questions. Who am I? Who do I belong to? You know, wh where's my place? What am I here for? You know, it all comes down to also the question of our identity. Who are we? And if it wasn't enough, we just got to look around in the crazy world that we live in. And there is an identity crisis. People don't know who they are, what they are, or how many they are nowadays. It's, it's pretty crazy, right? Like, I don't know if you ever thought that this would actually become a point of argument in the high courts of the land. And it is now. Legal issues, all kinds of crazy things over identity. And so the enemy is coming to attack identity, and now not just identity, now how young can we go? 
Right? How young can we get them confused? How young can we get them to question and, and to... Because if people and children are confused or have uh, lies about their identity, you know, it, it's like he, he gets to mess with their whole future and with their whole calling. Because we need to know who we are, whose we are, so that we can live the life that God called us for, right? And Jeremiah 29, 11 says he has good plans, good future, good thoughts for us. But we need to know who we are. Amen? Um, and so the first thing, you know, is the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I want you to close your eyes real quick, and we're going to do this. Um, you know, it's like a... It's like a quick self-evaluation, you know. And so just close your eyes and you're just going to repeat this after me. And I want you to imagine yourself, you know, in this picture. And, and, and then we're going to see how, how it feels, okay? So say with me, I am a righteous child of God, fully loved and fully accepted by Him. God is my Father and He celebrates me. He's leading me into good things daily. As I learn to walk with him and listen to his voice. God brings me what I need when I need it. And I trust he's leading me to a glorious future. I come to my heavenly father confidently. And without hesitation anytime. Because he loves spending time with me. You can open up your eyes. And, and, and my question to you is, how did that feel? You know, Because to the degree that you had a hard time with some of that stuff, it reveals some of the wrong beliefs about your identity that you might have. Okay? If you go, oh, oh, that's easy. That's like, I know that. You know? Okay, you know, then you probably have a good, close relationship with Heavenly Father. You probably have you know, a pretty healthy image of your identity in Christ. If you say, no, that was really hard. I don't believe half of it or 80% of it, you know, and I struggled to say some of those things. Then that also reveals, again, it's not right or wrong. It's just revealing the beliefs in your heart about who you are. Because if you remember last week, I said that what I believe about me and what I believe about who I am is more important than my goals, my education, my strategies, my plans, my, the next book that I'm going to read, and anything that I'm trying to do for success and happiness in life. And so we want to know what's hiding in our heart about our identity so that we can tackle it. And we're going to see what the Word says about that, okay? Um, we are righteous children of God. Why is it so important to know and believe that we're the righteousness of God? You know, and, it, it, and the reason is because it means that we are in right standing with God. To be the righteousness of God, it means that I'm in right standing with God, that I'm in good relationship with God. It means that me and God, we're good. What happens when you're not in right standing with the IRS? <laughs> yeah. If you're not in good standing with the IRS, you know, it's not good, right? It's, it's stressful. Uh, you get a letter in the mail, you go, I don't even want to see who's it coming from. I don't, you know, it's like. Hypothetically. 
just so we're clear, <laughs> since James brought it up, we're in good standing with the IRS, okay? <laughs> you know, but what happens is like, you know, if you're not in right standing with someone, you don't want to be around them. You, you're like going around in circles. You, but when you're in right relationship with someone, when you say, we're good, I, like you have no problem coming to them, right? Being in that same place with them. You're, you're good. And it's the same thing, you know, with God saying, hey, listen, Jesus took your sin and you took his righteousness so that you and I can be good. You're in right standing with me. And it doesn't depend on your mistakes. It doesn't depend on your past. It doesn't depend on your sin or your shortcomings. It depends on you having put your faith in Jesus. And that's the gift of righteousness. We receive that by grace through our faith because we believe. So therefore, we're made the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. Okay? And so that causes me to worship. That causes me to want to give. That causes me to want to serve him. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in right standing with him. We're good. You know, I, I have a dog, and um, when, I wear it, when I come into the house wearing a hat, he doesn't recognize me. And he thinks I'm a stranger, and he treats me like I have COVID. Okay? And he's, like, going around barking from different angles, but he's, like, staying away. You know, he's, like, acting all skittish. And sometimes people that don't believe they're in right standing with God act like that with God. They stay away from church, stay away from Christians, stay away from pastors, stay away from ministers, stay away from God, definitely, from a Bible, too. You know, they're all skittish from God because they don't know that when they put their faith in Jesus, and this is believers, too. When they put their faith in Jesus, now they are in right standing with God. They don't have to be all scared. They don't have to keep a distance with God. And the second thing is not that we're only in right standing with God, but that we're his children. You know, in, um, I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation on uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. It says, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, or Abba, Abba Father. You know, notice it's not just Father, but it, it's an endearment term, beloved Father, Abba Father. It says, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as He whispers into our innermost being, You're God's beloved child. Isn't that amazing? So God is saying, You're not just my child, but you're, you, like the Spirit I've put inside of you calls beloved Father, close Father. You know, many people grew up either without a father or with a distant father, right? And even if you watch, like, old-time movies, you know, like, they had to get all dressed up and make an appointment almost in to go and see father, you know? And it was like this very distant, cold relationship, you know? And many people grew up with that kind of stuff. But God is telling us, you know, this is the kind of relationship that I want to have with you, a close one. Um... When uh, 
my daughters have fathered me in the past? I, say, I go, no, no, you know, I'm daddy. Why are you calling me father? Is there a problem? <laughs> daddy. Okay, daddy. But I'm 16 and I drive. I don't care. Why? Because here's the thing. Everything, see, the names that God uses are very purposeful names, okay? We know that his names aren't just cool nicknames, but they are his identity, they're his character, they're, they're his will for us, right? When God says he's Jehovah Jireh, it's because he's uh, our provider and he wants to be our provider. So we know his will through his names. You know, Jehovah Jireh, that tells me he wants to be my provider. Jehovah Nisi tells me he wants to fight my battles. Jehovah Rapha tells me he wants to be my healer. And when you go through the names of God, you go, wow, this is what this name means. That also tells you that's what he wants to be to you. Well, in the same way, what he calls us in the word is also what he wants us to be to him. So when he says, you are the righteousness of God, he's telling you, we're in good standing. When he tells you, you're my child, and I want you to call me Abba, Father, he's also telling you, it's not the kind of father that is distant or the impression of an earthly father that might have been imperfect, but it's, it's me, and it's a closeness. It's a daddy. It's a beloved father. Like, I want you to be close to me. And so he's also telling you, that's the kind of relationship he wants with you, not the kind that has to make an appointment and get all dressed up before he comes but the kind that can walk in his pajamas into the throne room of grace and sit on his lap, right? Like he's telling you, that's how close I want you to be. I want you to have that confidence, that boldness, right? The word tells us to boldly come before the throne of grace. Why? Because we're in right standing. If we weren't in right standing, it'd be a different story, but we're in right standing with God because of Jesus. Are you following me? And so that's why it's so important we know we're the righteousness of God and we're his child. You know, when he calls me a citizen of heaven, you know, and he tells me you're also a citizen of heaven, that also tells me and gives me permission to believe differently. You know, we've talked about the example of the ambassador, right? If I am an ambassador in El Salvador, I'm not worried about the economy in El Salvador because I depend on the economy of the country of origin where I was sent from. And so it gives me permission to believe according to the country of origin and the laws of my country where I come from. Okay, and the Bible tells us that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And he calls me a citizen of heaven. That also tells me and gives me permission of what I can believe about myself and how I can believe about myself, which for once is telling me that I don't have to depend on the economy of this world. That when this world fears, I don't have to be in fear. Why? Because I depend for, this is my constitution right here. This is what I go by. I don't go by what, you know, they're saying here. I'm not saying that I disobey the law. Please don't hear what I'm not saying, you know. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is like, I have higher principles that I live by. You know, when the word says, you know, that um, I can plant and I can sow in time of famine, and I'll reap a hundredfold. I'm like, great, you know, because it seems like it's a little bit of time of famine out there. You know, it's, it's getting a little crazy in the economy. So here's what it says about me. Because I am a citizen of heaven. 
Therefore, I can believe and live by the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? And so it's really important that as we read the Bible, we discover, oh, and he also calls me royal priesthood. I guess I'm a king. Well, that would make sense because he's the king of kings. He's also the king of queens. It's not just a TV show, you know. And so, if I am royalty, then I need to learn to see myself a royalty. And every time now I read the Bible and I read about the righteous, I go, oh, that's me. When I read about the kings, you know, and, and what Proverbs says about a king and, and all the stuff, you know, I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm royalty. But it also says that I'm a priest. And the priest is one who presents people to God. So what does that tell me? It tells me another layer of my identity that I am to bring people and reconcile people to God. And isn't that what the, world te- the, word, the word tells us, right? That we're now ministers of reconciliation to bring people to him. So see, when I find out what he says about me and who I am, I also start finding out his will for me and what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to reconcile people with God. I'm supposed to bring people to him, to present people, to present my family, to present others to him. And so I serve him, but I'm his child. And I'm in right standing with him because of my faith in Jesus. Because when I put my faith in Jesus, I entered into the divine exchange. And the divine exchange is that I, he took what he didn't deserve, and I received what I didn't deserve, which was his righteousness. You there? Amen. We good? Okay, and so I want to... Uh, If we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 5, okay, I'm going to read this one out of the Passion Translation as well. Um, what happens many times is we receive this revelation, right? Right now, a lot of you just went, wow, that's amazing. You know, I'm not just a servant of God, but there's a higher reality is that I'm his child, you know, and that, and that I'm royalty. That's a lot better than just being a servant. I mean, I think we'd all agree that we'd be okay being saved and being servants in the house of the Lord. But he's like, no, nah, I'm going to bring you up to a higher level of being my child. Okay? And so in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, and the Passion Translation says, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow down in obedience to the anointed one. Now, why am I reading this? Um, Because when you receive revelation of who you are in Christ, the things inside of you that oppose that revelation are going to flare up. Okay? I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Walk out the door and, you know. That all goes away. <laughs> Why? Because I've had a conditioning since childhood or teenage or years or school, you know, because, you know, this is awesome. It tells me that I'm victorious and I believe that, you know, or I want to believe that. But deep inside of me, you know, there's an identity that's been formed for 10, 20, 30 years that says I'm a loser. 
somebody called me a loser. I lost at something and it hit me really hard. And then I got reinforced by flunking math. And then the teacher was like, yeah, you'll never amount to anything, you know. And then my dad was so disappointed. He's like, man, you're not going to be anything in life, you know. And whether he meant it or not or he was upset or not, you know, it went deep down in my heart. And now it's like it's down there, you know. So it's like, yes, I want to believe this about me, but I have testimonies of the opposite, <laughs> you know. I have stories of the opposite, and I have all, the, all this stuff, you know. And so, so the word goes and gets planted, but it, it doesn't go deep. And so therefore it dies, and I forget who I am. You know, the Bible tells us in um, 1 Corinthians uh, I believe it's chapter 13 or 14. It says that um, it's like a mirror. Like when we look into the perfect law of, God, law of God, you know, into what he says, it's like a like a foggy mirror. It says, and, and sometimes, you know, we can't see clearly who we are. That's why we need to be in the word over and over and over. And then in James, it tells us that... Um, it uh, not being doers of the word is like looking in the mirror, walking away and forgetting what you look like. Just paraphrasing here. But it, it says, you know, pretty much who looks at themselves in the mirror. And then when they walk away, they forget what they look like. You know, I can see all of you, but none of you can see yourselves. Now put your phone down. But you all have an idea of what you look like, right? Well, that, that happens spiritually. We hear what the Word says, who we are. But many times we walk away and we forget. And these things that have been nurtured in us, these negative pieces of false identity that the enemy has come to destroy since childhood, you know, are the stronger ones. So when you walk away, that's the one that comes up, right? Something happens, or you're facing something, it goes, oh, there you go, another opportunity to lose, you know? Oh, there you go, you know, that's, that's going to be a tough one. I don't think I'm going to make it through that one, you know? And we forget what we saw in the mirror of the Word of God. You following me? And so it's important that we are washed with the Word, and, we renew, and that we renew our mind with the Word of God to to who we are, to our identity. What does God say about me? I need to look in the mirror of the Word of God every day and remind myself who God says I am because for too long I've had this label that it was either put on me or I got through a traumatic uh, situation or that somebody that was close to me, an authority figure, you know, labeled me with this thing and I haven't been able to let go. So some people are going to need to forgive those people that gave you those identities, those labels, because they pierced real deeply and they still speak to you today. And some of those identities have to do with your past sin from before you were a new creation. And the enemy keeps throwing that in your face saying, no, 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 you're a sinner. You're a sinner. Oh, sure, you're going to go to heaven, but you're going to be a sinner your whole life because there's no coming back from that. And you're like, yeah, I'm a sinner saved by grace, you know. And what happens is that stays in your identity and you will 
always struggle with sin because you believe you're still a sinner, you know? And so it's not just who I am, but it's also learning to believe it and act like it. Is this helping anybody? Okay. And so how do we do that? You know, we, we talk about it all the time, you know, with our thoughts, you know. We demolish every deceptive fantasy. Boy, is that word fantasy really what's happening today in this world. How many crazy fantasies, identity fantasies are happening out there, right? They're fantasies that opposes God and breaks through every arrogant attitude, arrogant pride, pride attitude, right? Um, Anybody got that? That is raised up in defiance to the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought, right? Every thought that is going against what God says I am, you know? God says I'm victorious. God says I'm royalty. God says I am his child. He says that we're right and that we're in good standing. That means that anything that goes against that, I need to capture it like a prisoner of war. Say no. No, no, no. I'm going to put you in the dungeon forever. You cannot come out and call me a loser ever again. You cannot come out and call me ugly ever again. God made me in his righteousness, and he saw me, and he said, whoa, that's good. So you can't call me that stuff. So those thoughts, we need to take like prisoners of war. And I'm guessing prisoners of war don't have a good time or ever see the light of day again. But, you know, that's the comparison the Bible's saying. saying you got to take these thoughts and put them down there. They, you can't let them run around your head wreaking havoc and, and, you know, telling you all these things because they're messing with your identity and therefore they're messing with your beliefs about you, about your relationship with God, about who you are, what you can do, what your destiny your calling is. And so I want to talk about two things that we're not. The first one is we're not, we're not orphans. We just read that in, in Romans 8, 16, 15 and 16, that we're, we will never be orphans again. This is why it is so important that um, regardless of whether you grew up in a good home with or without a dad, with a good or a bad dad, with a Christian or a non-Christian dad, regardless of that, it's important that everyone receives the spirit of adoption the Bible tells us about here. Because there's only one perfect father. Only one. And so it'd be unfair to say, well, you had a good enough dad, so you don't need the spirit of adoption. But, you know, that one over there, he grew up without a dad, so he does need the spirit of adoption. Why? Because when you experience the heavenly father as your father, then nothing competes with that. Are you with me? He fills in all the blanks, all the imperfections. You could have a, a dad that was really good in one area, but another area of his life wasn't so great. Well, when you receive the spirit of adoption from our Heavenly Father, then that takes care of it all. You have a perfect father now. And he covers everything perfectly. And so... We all need to receive the spirit of adoption, you know. It doesn't matter how good of parents we are. Our kids need to receive the spirit of adoption from their father. They need to have a personal relationship with their heavenly father. 
Because he, you know, we make so many mistakes, right? You know the kind of pressure that would be on? I'm not saying let's go erratic because eh, they need their Heavenly Father anyways. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is thank God that he wants to be our kid's Heavenly Father. And that he is a perfect father because he will fill in and cover everywhere where I've messed up. And that I thought, oh my gosh, my child's going to be messed up forever now. No, they have a heavenly father. Are you with me? And that we need the same, regardless of what kind of father we have. And so what we're not is an orphan. And so I want to give you a few, uh, in, in the short amount of time I have, I want to give you a few key identifiers to know when we're acting like orphans or if we deal with the orphan spirit, okay? Because if we, if we don't identify it, you know, then we'll just continue to live with it. But I, do you want to know? You're like, I don't know if I want to know that, you know? Can I go to the bathroom? No, sit down. No, no. <laughs> it's all important. Because here's what happens. You can have a perfect Heavenly Father and act like an orphan, and you will live a life of an orphan. Like, why? Why would you do that? You have a perfect heavenly father. Just learn to identify, you know, because when you, when you see these, these behaviors, you can take thoughts captive then. You'd be like, oh, no, you know. I'm going to tell you something. Um, well, I'll tell you first this, uh, you know, some of these um, symptoms. We call them symptoms. The fruit of covetousness, jealousy, envy, okay, and the orphan spirit deals with this lie primarily. If you're writing something down, the orphan spirit deals with the lie that says there's not enough for all of us. There is not enough for all of us. So the orphan spirit cannot celebrate other people's victories, other people's promotions, other people's testimonies, other people's blessing. The orphan spirit cannot because it means to them there's not enough for all of us. See, James got blessed. Well, there goes my blessing. Kyle got a new truck. Well, there goes my truck. <laughs> Lee got a promotion. Well, there goes my promotion. Psh. Nick got a new house. Well, what about my house? Like, hello, am I still your child? Right? The orphan spirit cannot rejoice in the blessing of others because... He doesn't believe there's enough for all of us. He forgets that he has a heavenly father that has unlimited resources and has enough for all of us. You're at work. Somebody else gets the promotion. How does that make you feel? <laughs> it's so quiet. <laughs> I'll give you my own example. Um, few, uh, let's see, because I ask this question often, you know, to check my heart that I'm not, you know, acting like something I'm not. Um, if, if this would have happened 10, 12 years ago, I'd have been kind of irritated. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, and it was it it was that thought, like right, like oh, so and so, you know, they got a they got a, a church building, and I'd be like, church's not even that great. 
so-and-so, you know, they, they got this, and, uh, you know, somebody, somebody gave $100,000 in their building fund. I'm like, Shh. why is that person not in my church, you know? <laughs> Are you having fun? Yeah, yeah. Let's poke at me so that you can receive the word, okay? And so... 10, 12 years ago, before I learned this stuff, that, that was me, you know. Before I could rejoice for anyone, I was like, oh, what about me? Eeyore, you know, what about me? When is my season coming, you know? Um, and when, uh, this was last year, uh, we got um, some, some of our friends in our pastor group from, from the whole country um, some of them starting to get properties and, and like this kind of blessing, you know? And I was like, I'm like, I feel really happy for them. Like, I actually, I can rejoice in their victory, you know? And here's the thing. The difference between an orphan and a child is that the child of God is so confident in their father that when he sees somebody else get blessed, they go, that's amazing. God's handing out trucks now. I'm probably next. <laughs> You know, it's a true heart celebration. It's like, oh my gosh. You know, here, here's the difference. You have your children, right? And, and let's say that you come home and you're like, hey, you know, Victoria, I'm going to give you an Oreo cookie, you know. Oh, thank you. And the other one starts crying and throwing a fit. Why do I not get a cookie? And she gets a cookie. Do you feel like giving them a cookie? No. Right? You don't. You're like, I'm not giving you any cookies. Why? Because we want them to learn to celebrate each other's victories and each other's blessings, right? But what if the other one's like, oh, that's so exciting. Can I get one too? Absolutely. Why not? Right? And that's the difference between, because the orphan one thinks, there goes my cookie. The other one goes, whoo, he's got cookies. I'm probably next. You know, God doesn't have a problem, you know, with giving everybody the desires of their heart. But he can't trust you with your own if you can't rejoice with your brothers. You should write that down. God can't trust you with your own if you can't celebrate other people's victories. He can't give you your ministry if he can't serve somebody else's ministry. Okay, so, so that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's the orphan spirit. And so when that stuff comes up, you have to take those thoughts captive. Be like, no, 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 hold on. That's orphan mentality. I'm a child of God. God, if you blessed my coworker or my, you know, regardless, if that person got a promotion, I know you have a blessing for me. That's why in this declaration we did at the beginning, we, we, we say, I confidently believe that the Lord is leading me to a great future and that great things, he's bringing great things my way. And then the last one uh, that I want to touch on a little bit is the slave mentality, you know, and the slave, um, because we're not orphans because we're children and we're not slaves because we've been set free. We're saved. We're new creation, right? We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the slave mentality is very similar. You know, a lot of, a lot of the same um, uh, characteristics, but, um, 
if you remember the children of Israel, well, the slave mentality has a language, and it's the language of grumbling and complaining. I'm just getting to the point. So when you grumble and complain, you're speaking the language of slave. And we're not slaves. We've been set free. And whom the Son set free is free indeed. Right? It is for freedom he set us free. So we're not slaves. What happened to the children of Israel? They were slaves for 400 years. And through the one of the greatest displays of power and miracles in the whole Bible, God releases them and sets them free, right? And they leave Egypt, but Egypt's still inside of them. And they get to the other side, and they go, manna again? And they're complaining about the food, forgetting what God just did for them. Why? Because that's the language of a slave is complaining and it's grumbling and it's never enough. It's entitlement. Who would it ever think to complain about the food after what God just did? And it's because they were set free, but they still had slavery in their hearts. And so many believers have come to the Lord and have been set free, but they remain slaves in their heart. They remain slaves in their mind. And so therefore, grumbling and complaining is it's the language that they speak. And so when we start to grumble and complain, we need to catch those thoughts and catch those words and be like, hold on. I'm free. I'm not a victim. I'm royalty. I have authority. I don't like my situation. I just need to change what I'm believing about this and ask the Lord what to do. But I'm not stuck. Hello? Anybody? Yeah? And so, you know, this is a subject that we're very passionate about here at church. Um, and, um, and I have so much, so much more to, get, to give, but I'm just going to, Jose, if you could come over, or Daisy or some, somebody. And uh, I, I want to pray, and, but, but before I pray, if you just close your eyes, and we're going to do that, this declaration one more time, okay? And I want you to see if there's any difference, okay? Um, if this is something you want to do, you can go online, listen to it, write it down, take it with you. You know, and it's, and it's a, again, it's a test of my heart. How comfortable do I feel and how much of this do I believe? Because to the degree of discomfort that I feel, it's revealing deep labels, wrong beliefs about my, my identity that are still holding me back from what I know and what has been revealed to me about who I am. And see, here's the other thing, and we'll continue this next week, but it's that I can't lead other people into freedom if I'm still a slave inside. And for parents, that's also their children. Their children. 